Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Welcome back to Fearless. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday season. It is so hard to believe 2020 is already here. And I'm so thankful to start uh, this year off with another podcast of Fearless. I had so much fun last year and for all of y'all who encouraged me and joined me. But I wanted to remind you, my goal here at Fearless is to help you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. And I believe to have a fearless faith, you have to be able to stand in confidence in what you believe. And that means we have to be knowledgeable. And this has continued to be a huge conviction to me that you have to know what we believe and why we believe it. And I can remember when I got out of college, I literally stopped learning. I was so burnt out. I had taken 21 credit hours, an internship, double summer school to graduate, and I was done. And there was a time period I didn't want to learn anymore. And I started doing mindless stuff like books and mindless TV. And my husband challenged me to keep learning. And in 2020, We as a generation have so much knowledge at our fingertips. We are literally without excuse. We cannot stand before God one day in our ignorance and say, we did not know. And I think back at the story of Jesus when he wept over Jerusalem and he said, if you had known, if you had read, if you had listened, like, do we know our scriptures? Can we stand strong on them? Do we know our history? Edmund Burke said, those who don't know history are destined to repeat it. And we have to continue to seek wisdom. Proverbs 16, 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. So here at Fearless, this year for 2020, we're going to hit some hard topics. We're going to talk about abortion and education. We'll talk about depression. We'll have special guests, I hope. But today, we're going to start off with a bang. And that's going to be a subject that we will not be able to avoid in 2020. And that is politics. We're in a presidential election year. And where do we as Christians find ourselves in politics? It's a subject many Christians are comfortable with. But for me, it's always been a huge passion. I can remember my freshman year in high school, and it was my first political science class, and I just loved it. And I remember I said, I can't wait till I turn 18 so I can vote. So for me, politics has always been a passion. But for those who do like to engage in politics, we often find criticism from other Christians for our engagement. But where do we? We're going to talk about where do we as Christians, um, what do we think of the word of politics? Where do we find ourselves and our responsibilities in our society? And what should we do with that? And is it okay for Christians to engage like in the public square, to care about our elections, to care about the policy? We know we're supposed to be the salt and light, but does that include political engagement or engaging in the public square on behalf of our community, our state, our nation, or I think about on behalf of our children and our family. Is avoiding political engagement, debate, and dialogue the higher road for a Christian? For many Christians, engaging in the political sphere is considered risky to the Christian witness. Others have been taught or convinced that Christians should avoid politics altogether. And it's often said there are two things we shouldn't discuss in front of mixed company or other people, and that is religion and politics, right? Those are two things we stay away from, because why? Those things are divisive when we bring a biblical worldview 
to the table and we bring biblical truth, those things will be divisive. And even Jesus said that. And I think sometimes we can get caught up in um, we want to have peaceful conversations because we want to represent the love of Christ, which we should. We always should have conversations full of grace and truth and love. But however, when we take a stand for Jesus on a biblical worldview, whether that's um, an any, you know, a lot of times we'll talk about political issues here, but a lot of these aren't political issues. These are moral issues. These are biblical issues. And Jesus says in Matthew 10, 34, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword for I've come to turn a man against a father and a daughter against a mother. And I think, you know, of course, he's saying he's the son of God and you're either going to choose him or you're going to reject him. But when you choose to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you are going to have to take a stand. And that stand is uncomfortable. And when you stand for biblical morals in this world that is forever decaying, it will be hard and it will be divisive. And our conversations many times will, um, will divide when we represent truth. But as I remind you, like Jesus, he didn't gloss over the tough subjects. He called out on many of these subjects. Jesus, he challenged the law of the land. He challenged those leaders in Jerusalem, and they didn't like it. And, you know, when we take a stand for Jesus, yes, he will give us a peace that we've never experienced in our life. We're going to sit in his full glory one day and how beautiful that will be and his full peace. But while we're here on this earth, and we're followers of Christ, there will be times of persecution. There will be times of hurting and heartache and division, as he has said. So, you know, those two things we're not supposed to talk about, religion and politics. Um, I believe that we are to talk about those amongst other people and be engaged in those conversations. And they will be uncomfortable. But I just want to encourage you is that we still have to have them. You know, we are to be the salt and the light of the world. I think whoever's listening, we can all agree on that. We cannot be the salt if we're not a part of it. You know, the salt for one of them is to keep decay. And as Christians, we have to be a part of our nation so it will not decay. We're to help prevent that decay, um, especially here in the United States where we've been gifted, you know, democracy and have been able to have a voice and to be able to vote and be able to help choose who our leaders are. We have that luxury. And as Christians, I believe we're called to be engaged and to be the salt in our society. Let's ask the question, is politics a dirty word? Is it a turnoff to people? Sometimes people hear the word politics and they cringe. They hate it. It's negative. They just want to avoid it altogether. And for many people probably listening today, they heard me say the subject of politics 2020 and they might have turned it off, uh, turned the podcast off. But I think for most of us, especially as Christians, believe it is good to care for our children, our families, our neighbors, our community, the state, the nation, and even those around the world who need help. So doesn't it make sense that, you know, we care who governs our families, our children, and our neighbors? Like who governs us makes a huge difference on an everyday and so many settings that we live in. But people hate the word politics. And my colleague at Samaritan's Purse reminded me, he says, Sissy, it's not politics, but it's governance, caring about who governs our family and our neighbors. Could it be that caring about who governs us is part of loving thy neighbor? So if you don't like the word politics, just remember, it is who is governing over you, your children and your home and your family. Consider a local school board. 
you know, that allows confusing transgender theory to be introduced to first graders right now. Just the confusion that that is on children and how a society is trying to indoctrinate a whole new belief system on first graders. Because I think they have to go on, and we can talk about this on another podcast in our education system, but they're going after young children because they have to change the way a society thinks. You know, for many of us as adults, they're not going to change our beliefs, but if they start young and first graders. So who's making that decision that is going to have the influence over our children and their schools? And what about the state that makes laws that fail to protect an unborn child all the way to birth? You know, we're just seeing crazy things, especially, you know, uh, here in the state of North Carolina and what the governor decided to do and the veto um, the Stay Alive bill. It's just crazy that those are the people governing over us and making decisions. And what about a president that will appoint hundreds of judges that impact our lives and our religious liberties every day? Back in 2016, for many people, that was just the deciding factor was the Supreme Court and the federal judges because of the impact that that would have on a nation and on a society. And what if we elect lawmakers who force us to go against our own biblical convictions? We should all long for government that represents with character and competence and integrity and who understands the importance of living out our faith and our individual freedoms. You know, I I think about the next generation and I think about my kids and I want to be able to tell my kids that we fought that battle for you. You know, that we we didn't sit on the sidelines as parents and let our religious liberties and our rights go away. But as a parent that had the right to vote and to have a voice, that we did everything for you and for that generation, I want to tell them that we did everything we could to protect them. And that's part of our duty when we're involved in engaging in the political conversation and engaging in the political uh, dialogue and who governs over us. I can remember when I was at Appalachian State uh, going to school and a teacher who I love dearly, who I've talked about a couple of times on this podcast already, uh, she always used the argument of separation of church and state. And that is such a misconstrued concept of today. You know, our forefathers depended on the wisdom of God, you know, for the American Revolution when those signers of Declaration of Independence signed their names to that paper, if they had lost that battle, all of them were signing a death sentence that they would die. But they looked for God for his wisdom all throughout history. And um, you can find how much our forefathers depended on the wisdom of God. And the First Amendment was to protect church from government, not government from church. And You know, an example of somebody, the wrong person in office that used his power was Hugo Black. And I just learned about him this week. And he was a KKK member and a U.S. senator and a lawyer. But in the 1940s, he's who's turned, you know, this mythical wall of separation of church and state to where it is now, where it's often misused as a metaphor, which changed the church. It changed state laws. It changed education systems, policy, and even our discourse and how we would talk like what my professors were trying to teach me at a university. Um, I love just a little side note. Um, somebody recommended it's called the American Minute. And it's a website. Uh, William Federer is his name. And he has the American Minute. And they're about two to five minute stories 
of American history, world history, but how God is intertwined and through it all. And they're great. And I recommend it. Um, I found so many stories on there. So the American Minute. Of course, as Christians, and we're talking about this subject, let's look at what Scripture has to say. And according to Romans 13, you know, we know God ordained and has established government. And it says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which is from God. Even, you know what, let me just stop there. Even in the government of chaos and, you know, evil governments, they've been established by God and that he will use his people you know, to bring him glory. But let's just don't forget, even in the chaos of our own country and the division of politics, God is in control. And it continues to say, the authorities that exist have been appointed by God. Consequently, the one who resists authority is opposing what God has set in place. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And then Romans continues in Romans 13 says, therefore, It is necessary to submit to authority, not only to avoid punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why we pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who devote themselves to their work. Pay everyone what you owe him, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, and respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. And once again, as Christians, I just want to remind, we belong to a bigger kingdom, we belong to God's kingdom and that we as Christians, um, we're to do as God instructs in the Bible and we're to honor those in authority. Whether you like Trump or not, he's the president who God has placed in authority and we're to show honor, not dishonor. Whether you liked Obama or not, we as Christians, because we represent God's kingdom, are called to honor him. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to agree with all of our politicians and that we're going to not have disagreements, but we can have disagreements with honor. But, you know, we look at Romans 13 and if God ordained it, would he really expect his people to stay out of it, especially when we're fortunate as ourselves to live in a democracy? Are we as Christians not to be the salt in our nation? And I love how Skip Isaac says, as Christians, we have dual citizenship. We ultimately belong to God's kingdom, but also to hear where God has placed us here in this nation. And I just listened to a sermon of him, of him speaking on this, and I love he spoke on Jeremiah 29. And this was Jeremiah uh, writing a letter to the people who had been taken captive in Babylonia. And his first thing, Skip says, you know, as a people, what is our responsibilities as Christians in this nation? And the first one he says is we're to be responsible. Um, as in Jeremiah 29, 4, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers and do not decrease. And that we're to be responsible. We are to be a part of our nation. And like I said earlier, remember, we are to be the salt and the light so that we as Christians can help prevent decay. And I love Skip's quote. He says, Jesus didn't promote isolation, nor insulation, nor vegetation, but rather permeation. We as the people are to be the salt. We can't sit back and do nothing. And Jeremiah, he was writing in the time of Nebuchadnezzar. He was a tyrant. 
you know, once again, we have the luxury of living a democracy. So what is our responsibility as Christians here in this nation? Um, I always remember to, to whom much is given, much is expected. God has given us the gift of democracy as Christians. And how thankful I am for our forefathers who saw God's wisdom on that. But we've been given this gift of, you know, democracy and freedom. So what is it expected of us? Much is going to be expected from us to be a part of. The second thing Skip says is to be prayerful. And we know in First Timothy, you know, probably a verse we've seen a lot in the last couple of years with uh, the conversation of politics, but it's God's instruction. And we are to pray for those in authority so that we can li- live peaceful lives. You know, and what's going on right now in Washington, D.C. is not peaceful. And that's why we as Christians are called to pray for those in authority. The third one is we're to be careful. You know, in our today, we hear so much truth and we hear so many false messaging. But it's our responsibility to make sure we educate ourselves, to know what's going on, to inform ourselves so that we can make um, good and godly decisions. But that comes back to wisdom. We have to know what we believe and why we believe it. And the fourth one Skip said is to be hopeful, to remember God is in control. Right. And that has just been in my heart something I've just clung to so much, especially in life where it's anxiety and craziness and our country is divided. The God's in control and he will come back and he will return. But we as Christians have to remember to be responsible, prayerful, and careful and hopeful. Once again, Skip Isaac is one of my favorite Bible teachers. I will put links to uh, his app and to that video in my show notes. But I just encourage you. He's just a really good Bible teacher. But moving on, I think we have to ask ourselves, what happens if we as Christians fail to engage in culture and the political arena? Plato said one of the penalties for refusing to participate in politics is that you end up being governed by your inferiors. If we are silent or absent, one thing is for sure. Bad ideas will fill the void. When Christians stay out of the battle of ideas, bad ideas can go unchallenged. Breakpoint's John Stone Street famously states, ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. Uh, Martin Niemöller, a Lutheran pastor, emerged in Germany as a foe of Hitler And he spent several years in a Nazi concentration camp, and Hitler's bad ideas went unchallenged for too long by the German church. And he, uh, Pastor Niemöller's best remembered for his words, first they came for the socialist and did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist, and I did not speak out because I was not one of them. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak for me. And I was watching a documentary the other day, and I was just so shocked of the silence of the church. And the few that spoke out, it was too late. And how evil and the evil of what happened in World War II under Hitler and the church didn't speak out in time. And so once again, that's an example of the power that we as Christians have to um, have a voice and injustice, have a voice in our governance and who is ruling over us. And Edmund Burke also said, as I quoted him earlier on in the podcast, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Many Christians, 
you know, we don't want to get involved and we live in a political correctness time and we're afraid of what our friends will say. Maybe we're afraid of what the media will do and how they'll slander us. We're afraid of what our colleagues. And I'm just here to encourage you is like, we have to get over that as Christians. You're going to have to get over that fear of what other people will think. Because there's a lot at stake here in our nation and the division that we're facing and the roads that this nation is choosing to go down. And as a Christian, you don't answer to any of them. You answer to God. We're not called to please the men around us and our colleagues and our family. We're called to please God. And remember, to whom much is given, much is expected. And as Americans, you've been given a whole lot. You know, and as I said earlier, we are called to be the influence in our society. And, you know, we've talked about where to be the salt and the light. But who right now in our society has more influence? Is it Hollywood who has influence over our children, over social media? Is it famous YouTubers who have more influence over the minds of our nation and the young generations? Is it Washington? Is it government? Is it the ACLU has, who has more influence? Or is it God's people and God's church? Do we have the influence over society or are we deciding to stay silent? And ultimately, I want to remind you, as we said earlier, we ultimately as Christians belong to God's kingdom. And it's been really hard to watch the church be so divided um, over the last few years and to speak really ugly to one another and to not be civil with one another and tear each other down on social media and seeing some church leaders and pastors talk so negative. And that's when Satan's winning. We have to stand united and we have to come together in love. And we might not always agree. You know, there's great churches and great Christians out there. Some have voted blue, some have voted red, right? And it's, but we have to come together and be united under God's kingdom. And I want to encourage you in that, in that conversations that you have and that love and respect you have for your brother and sister in Christ. You know, we cannot dishonor one another in our disagreements because why? We represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We represent Jesus Christ. And if the world sees us arguing and mistreating each other on social media and in the public, what do they think of us, right? You know, 2020 is here, and there's going to be lots of political conversations if you choose to engage in them. Some of them you just probably won't be able to avoid altogether. But stand in confidence to know what you believe and why you believe it. Know what the Bible calls us as Christians to do in our society, but also know what who you're voting for. Take pride in that responsibility that you've been given the gift of a vote and that you have the freedom to have a voice. And know that those politicians who you're voting for, know their history, know what they, the decisions that they're making and ha- be a voice you know, for the next generation and engage in our society because it is a true gift. You don't have to like it as much as I do and you don't have to enjoy it, but it is a gift that we've been given. And now I want to remind you that we are called to pray for all those in authority. So this year, be praying for our president and our vice president, be praying for the senators and all the men and women of Congress But also be praying for those in local authority, those over your school boards who are making big decisions over your children's education, and pray for those governors and everybody on a state level who play a huge influence in our society. We as Christians have to be praying for them because God commands us to so that we can live peaceful lives as a nation.
You know, as we close, I want to remind us that we are to give thanks, ultimately, that we can participate in our country's political process. I know sometimes it can be very difficult, especially like on a local level, to find information on different people running for office. And that ballot sometimes can be so confusing when you go to it. That's why it's important that we go and we're fully educated and we do all of our homework and just pray throughout the year. Thanks again for listening and joining me with uh, Fearless today. I'm glad you're back with me for 2020 to talk about having a fearless faith and a compromising culture. Follow me, Sissy Graham Lynch, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm